0: Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. It's pretty late. We'll do the best we can. Those, those are of you that are with me on Sunday mornings, our normal uh, group before church, we've been going through Psalm 119. We're rapidly approaching one year, and we're not done yet, so... So I hope you guys have a lot of patience this morning. No, just kidding. If you would, bow your hearts with me for a moment. Father, we thank you for all that you do. We thank you, Lord, that you are constantly with us, that there is not a place we go that you are not already there. There is not a situation that befalls us, Lord, that you are not aware of. We can trust in, we can hope in, we can rely in your presence in our lives. So, Father, we surrender all that we have to you this morning. We ask you to speak to us. And, Lord, may your words find fertile soil in our hearts as we want to go forward from this day, from this place, and do your work in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've entitled this teaching. If you want a Bible, you can raise your hand, and, and they'll be happy to give one to you. I do have all of the scriptures on the overhead, but... Uh, If you're like me, I still like to look them up because I have a different translation often, and sometimes different translations speak in different ways, although they say the same thing. But before we get started, I have a few questions for you just to kind of get yourselves thinking about what we're going to talk about this morning hearing God. What comes to your mind when you think about that, hearing God? You may ask yourself, as I do sometimes, is God speaking? And on a deeper perspective, is he speaking, is he talking to me personally? Does he have something to say to me that's important in my life? Well, the answer to those questions in a nutshell is yes and yes. He is speaking, and he is speaking to you, and he is speaking to me. But the issue is, at least for me, and I suspect for you too, is are we listening? Are we listening and are we really hearing what he has to say? Is there a clutter between me and the Lord that interferes with my ability to hear him? Maybe we think we don't really need to hear him. Or maybe we don't want to hear what he has to say. Last time I had the joy and and the privilege to to speak with you and to be here as I am this morning. I spoke with you about being a sheep about being in God's sheep pen for all of eternity. But there's a unique aspect of being one of God's sheep that I want to talk about this morning, one that I believe is in danger in this highly technical world that we live in today. The picture that you see on the overhead, uh, I was visiting with my grandkids up in Tennessee about three or four years ago, and we had spent about two hours at the park, and, and we were pretty worn out, at least I was. And, <laughs> and they said they wanted to go to McDonald's, not my favorite place to eat, but theirs. And so we went to McDonald's and as we're sitting there and enjoying each other, I noticed this family that you see in the picture. And they're sitting there and they're eating their lunch, but if you notice, every one of them has some type of electronic device. And what you really can't see is behind the the mom in the blue shirt is a young boy also with his back to his mom also with something in front of him there's not much conversation going on they surely don't have anything to hear or they have no intent of hearing one another, they're absorbed in their own little world now I don't want to say to you that there's anything inherently wrong with electronics for there surely isn't they're absolutely necessary in this world in which we live in today they have a definitive place and purpose these days it's actually impossible if you think about it to get by without them we have to have them. But the potential to diminish relationships is huge. And one that I think we should guard against. We need to be on our guard that we don't lose that ability to listen and to hear. One another for sure, but even running the risk of, do I hear from God? Because I'm so used to hearing from other sources. In John ten twenty-seven. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There's a really interesting video. It's about a minute. There's two versions of it. One is a minute long, one is two minutes long on YouTube. And it, and it drives this point home in a real sense. Although we know the spiritual application, what it's, what it's saying here, it actually happens in the real world. It shows this sheep pen, and there's a multitude of sheep out in this pen. And three young people go up to the edge of the sheep pen, and each one at a time, they call to the sheep. They call, and they call, and they call. And one after another, through all three of them, the sheep completely ignore them. Their heads are buried in the grass. They're focused on what they're doing. And then the farmer, the shepherd, walks up to the exact same location where they had been, and he calls out to the sheep. At the sound of his voice, at the instant of his voice, their heads pick up. And as he continues to call them, they run to him. My sheep hear me, and they know me. They know my voice. It drives the point home in a a really special way. I encourage you to watch it. It's it's, it's incredible. But the word for us that I want to focus on in that verse, my sheep hear my voice, is the word hear. The online Merriam-Webster dictionary defines that word as to perceive or to become aware of by the ear, to gain knowledge by hearing, to listen with intention, to gain information, to receive communication. It's really about this external audible input that has a deep, profound effect on us, hearing. It's beyond listening. It's often funny to me how, and and I don't know if you're like this, but I, I tend to... Sometimes when I'm watching something secular or I'm around a, a movie or something, I tend to look for, is there a spiritual application in that somehow, some way? I'm kind of weird that way, maybe. But I remember a movie, and it, this scene has stuck with me for since I first saw the movie years ago, and I'm not advertising the movie. But there's a movie that was out some time ago, starred Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. It was called White Men Can't Jump. And in this movie, there's a scene where they're driving in this car, and Woody Harrelson is driving the car, and he slips a cassette into the cassette player. For young people that don't know what a cassette is, ask your parents, and they'll explain it to you. But he slides a cassette in, and it's a Jimi Hendrix cassette. Wesley Snipes is sitting in the back seat, and he goes, what's that? And Woody Harrelson says, that's Jimi Hendrix. I like to listen to it. Wesley Snipes says, that's the problem. You like to listen to it, but you can't hear it. You listen to Jimmy, but you can't hear Jimmy. And he goes on to say there's a difference between listening and hearing. I'm not here to advertise Jimi Hendrix this morning, but for sure there's a difference. Listening falls short if we don't hear The type of listening that you and I do makes all the difference, especially when it comes to hearing God's voice. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. This verse on the surface implies that there is something beyond listening. I mean, I can just listen to the word, but if I don't apply it, if I don't hear it and make it part of who I am, it falls short. Do I have the right attitude? Is my heart pliable? Am I really paying attention? Do I really want to understand what God has to say? Do I want to take what I hear and make it part of my life? We need to be like spiritual sponges, willing to absorb anything and everything that God has to say to us. It's like these two that you see in the picture, soaking up the water that's around them. This water in a spiritual sense, is becoming part of who they are. And so we need to be like that as well. When God speaks, we want to absorb it. We want to take it in. and We want it to be part of who it is. And as James said so eloquently, just do it. Nike thinks they coined that phrase, but James wrote it 2,000 years ago. Just do it. Sometimes easier said than done. Experts have come up with many suggestions for engaging in conversations, productive conversations, They often recommend that we be active listeners. Listening in, doing more listening than talking. Another verse from James. I love love the book of James. I often refer to James as the New Testament Proverbs. But he explains it in a way better than any expert ever could. Imagine that. James 119 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Perhaps you've heard that's why God gave us two ears and only a single mouth. I don't want to paint a picture that says that God doesn't want to hear you. He does. He loves to hear your voice. He loves to hear it when you talk to Him. In Psalm 116 too, it says, because He bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Consider that. Imagine that for one moment, the God of all creation bending down to listen to what you have to say. He loves that. But I would submit to you this morning that we gain so much more when we listen to what he has to say, when we have our hearing ears on, so to speak. In our conversations, we can appear to be listening, but in reality, we're not. Someone said that women like silent men because they think they're listening. (laughs) That's the problem, they think. There's a story about, I'm sorry. I'm I'm a guy so I can make that statement there's a story about an older fellow goes to the doctor for his annual checkup and he in the conversation with his doctor before he leaves he says you know my wife is really really getting hard of hearing doctor says really you really think so and he says yeah I think she is he said well here's a test go home tonight and when she has her back to you ask her a question so he goes home she's in the kitchen making dinner and he calls out from about 15 feet away says honey what's for dinner there's no response So he walks closer. He gets only 10 feet behind her. He says, honey, what's for dinner? Again, the same thing, no response. I said, oh, I got to make this easier for her. So he walks up five feet behind her and says, honey, what are we having for supper tonight? Still no response. Now he walks up. He's inches behind the back of her head. Honey, what's for dinner tonight? She whips around. She says, I already told you three times we're having chicken. So see, he was listening, but he wasn't hearing. And we can have that same problem, spiritually speaking. We're listening, but we're not hearing. We may even keep eye contact with people. We may nod our heads. We may smile as if we're listening. Do we do that with God? Truth is, our minds oftentimes are 100 miles away. They're wandering Perhaps thinking about something entirely different. For some reason, when I was putting this together and thought about that, this picture came to my mind. <laughs> Willy Wonka. I mean, how many of us get the Willy Wonka look when we're actually listening to somebody but our minds are like way, way far away? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ever been there with God? Ever been there with Him? God speaking and your mind is just way far away. I have. I have. God's speaking, and for one reason or another, maybe I don't want to hear it. The old sage Dick Cabot said it this way, it's a rare person who wants to hear what he doesn't want to hear. Sometimes God speaks that to us. Often God can be speaking the loudest when he's telling us something we don't really want to hear. But in this day that you and I live, and surely there is way more talking than listening, listening. You turn on any of the major quote-unquote news networks and you'll hear plenty of talking. Nobody listening. Another obstacle to our hearing is apathy. We find ourselves saying, I've heard that before. It's the same old song and dance. Verse and passage comes up. Ah, I heard that one. I already know that one. There's an interesting word. It's called tautology. It means the needless repetition of an idea by saying the same thing in different words. Kind of like that sign, please prepay in advance. (laughs) Please prepay would be sufficient. But that's never true of what God has to say. God may say the same thing to you as he does to me over and over again. And it's because it's important. And he wants you to know it. And he wants you to realize it. I've learned, and oftentimes the hard way, when God keeps repeating something to me, pay attention listen not only listen but hear hear what he has to say i want to look at a few places in the bible where god speaks now there are many 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 of them and you could end up being like the fellow that falls out of the window while Paul's speaking so we won't go through them all but i want to look at a few of them why is god speaking did the person he was speaking to really hear what he had to say The first time we see or hear of God speaking in the Bible is in the very, very beginning. In Genesis 1-3, then God said, God speaking, let there be light, and there was light. In this verse, we see in God's voice, and God speaking, his power. Now, there wasn't any person yet to hear his voice, but there was the void and there was the darkness that heard his voice. And in obedience, light became light. Creation itself hears the voice of God and responds in obedience. By His voice, by His words, by His speaking, everything that you and I know was created. It has its being and is held together. Do you need to know God's power this morning? If you do, it's in His voice. Are you hearing? While we may have many, many difficulties to walk through, he has promised that in him and through him and with him, we can do all things. God's final word in creation was to create you and me, mankind, in his very image. The Lord had an intimate and he had a personal relationship with his creation and that first man and that first woman we know as Adam and Eve. He walked with them and he talked with them on a personal basis each and every day. And then in a moment of disobedience, that relationship was broken. I believe there's something incredible in what we hear in God's words, in God's voice. After that fall, Genesis 3, 9 tells us, Then the Lord called to the man, Where are you? They hid from God in guilt and in shame. Possibly, perhaps even in fear of punishment. For sure, their disobedience, their sin, had consequences. The world world still feels that and knows that today, as do I, and I suspect you do as well. Their decision to disobey would result in their expulsion from the garden. Yet in the midst of that, God provides for them. He says, where are you? Not in condemnation, but in love and in care and compassion. For the Bible tells us that He clothed them. And not only did He clothe them, but in the midst of all of that, He made a promise. A promise that there would come one who would provide that way, that salvation. I hear in His voice, and in His actions I see, love, compassion, and grace. If you're hiding from God today, His voice beckons you to come, to come to Him. If you're like me, and I presume you are, I need God's unending love and His unending grace, His immeasurable grace each and every day. Later in Genesis, God speaks again. This time He speaks to Abram, who would later have His name changed to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, He says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In God's voice this time is direction. It's direction without a lot of detail, but direction nonetheless. It also contains great promise. Following these instructions that aren't complete, that aren't whole, that are with a lot of ambiguity, requires faith. It requires trust. Later, God would tell, would speak to Abraham to go and to sacrifice his son Isaac. Again, requiring Abraham's faith. Seldom does he give us the whole picture. I don't know why. Maybe because it would scare us. But if you're like me and you're a type A personality person, you love to have all the details. But God doesn't give us all the details because that doesn't require faith. So He requires us to step in faith. So perhaps you're looking for direction in your life today. Where does God want me to go? What does He want me to do? Listen and hear His voice as He speaks. James would call Abraham a friend of God. The book of Hebrews refers to him as a man of faith. Do you need his guidance? does a decision laid before you this morning. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 verses you know very well. I'm sure every one of you in here could recite them. But do you believe them? Do you have faith in them? Do you trust in these words? It says he will make your path straight. Doesn't say he might, it says he will if we trust him and we lean on him. Faith is the key element to hearing this and to following these directions. His desire is to direct our steps, His desire is to show us the way in which we should go. God had commanded Pharaoh to let his people, the Israelites, go through Moses. Ultimately, we know that Pharaoh complied after all the plagues and, and the death of the firstborn. He finally, he finally gives in and he allows them to go. Shortly after their departure, though, he changed his mind. The Israelites find themselves with the Red Sea in front of them, mountains to the sides, and the charging Egyptian army behind them. They had absolutely nowhere to go. They were trapped. You think about that. I'm sure it was a hopeless situation, desperate. The people cried out to the Lord, and they made accusations against Moses. And then God speaks. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it and the people, so that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. Are you besieged by an enemy this morning? Is there a sea in front of you and an army behind you? Surely they come in all kinds of forms, all kinds of situations. David faced an enemy, Goliath. Yet God was with him, and we know that his enemy was defeated. God has promised. He's promised us to be our shield, to be our protector. He's promised to come to our rescue. Do we trust him? Do we have that faith? Do I hear him speak those words of encouragement to me? When he comes, it may not look like you or I would ever pictured it, it may not look like you or I would ever orchestrated it. But our faith is in His never-failing promises and our trust is in Him. Perhaps the words that Moses spoke to the people will resonate with you as you think about that. He said, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Kind of apropos with the song Still we've been singing for the past few weeks. You need only to be Still. Something we have a hard time doing. You ever watch a ball game or some type of sporting event? Typically, that's when I see it. And some tragedy has happened. And they'll say before the game starts, let's take a moment of silence. You ever time that moment of silence? It's like seconds. And I'm talking less than five. We don't like being silent. But it's so important. It sets us up to allow God to speak into our hearts. As Joshua assumed the role of leadership for Moses, he must have felt completely overwhelmed. The consuming feeling of inadequacy must have been daunting and impossible to bear. After all, he had seen just how disobedient and how complaining the people were, and now he was the one in charge. The responsibility and magnitude of caring for these people would have been gigantic. Can you imagine the sleepless nights? the restlessness, the lack of peace. Then God speaks. He speaks words of reassurance to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. He says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Are you overwhelmed this morning? Are you feeling the sense that I just can't accomplish what God is calling me to? Does life seem to be getting the upper hand? May you hear his words anew and afresh this morning. The Lord your God, he is with you. Those aren't my words, those are his. That's his voice to you this morning. He is with you, and he wants to be with you. Maybe this morning, all of what we talked about seems somewhat beyond understanding altogether. You don't really know the Lord, and hearing from him seems like, well, that's an impossible thing. God doesn't speak. Why would God even speak to me, you might be asking. I assure you that not only is he speaking, but he wants a relationship with you and with me and with all of us. Saul, who would later become the apostle Paul, was the enemy and persecutor of the church. This made him not only an enemy of the people, but an enemy of God as well. One day he found himself knocked to the ground, brought low, you might say. In Acts, we read of that account. It says, in falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The Lord's voice was calling Saul Saul to himself. He still calls people today. He calls me, and I'm sure he's calling you. Whether you know him or not this morning, he's calling. He loves to speak to you. Perhaps this morning you're like Paul, though, on that Damascus road, and you're not sure. But he's beckoning you to come. The question is, are you listening? Are you hearing his voice? His heart is that none should perish. His desire is that all people would simply come to him in faith, hearing his voice. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus was uh, having a conversation with his disciples and basically, this was after he had shared a couple of parables with the people that he was speaking to. And a parable is just a simple everyday life story that has a deeper spiritual underlying meaning. A lot of times the parables in Scripture for us, because we live in this year and this day and time, don't have all that, we need them explained to us. But in the day that Jesus spoke to them, they had great significance and were easy to understand. And so his disciples asked him, they said, Why, why do you speak in parables? Why do you talk in these stories? Might be another way to say it. And in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says, "'This is why I speak to them in parables, "'because seeing they do not see, "'and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand.'" What? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. But what, It's interesting what Jesus is doing here, though. He's relating back to the prophet Isaiah. Because everybody that he's speaking to would have been very familiar with Isaiah and what Isaiah had to say and what God called Isaiah to do and all of that that took place in that time. Isaiah was called at a time when God's people were far away from God. They had nothing to do with him and yet God put out a call. And he said, who will go? God's voice speaking. Isaiah was listening. Isaiah heard and, got, and Isaiah said, here I am, send me. It's interesting, though, because after he says that, after he volunteers to go, God gives him a charge. God gives him a job, if you will, a responsibility with some specific instructions. And there's an interesting, life-changing, profound sequence in what he says. In Isaiah chapter 6, God says, "'Go and say to this people, "'Keep on hearing, but do not understand. "'Keep on seeing, but do not perceive.'" Because that's what they were doing. They were hearing, but they weren't hearing. They were seeing, but they really couldn't see. So you just keep doing that was really what God is saying. But here's the interesting part. He says, make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes. Here's where it gets really interesting. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. An interesting progression there. First, we see with our eyes. Then we hear with our ears, and the key there is hear. In the process of that, we understand in our hearts. And when this happens, our lives are changed. And we're healed, spiritually speaking. See, the penalty of our sin is taken away. This is what happens when you and I truly hear what the Lord has to say. It happens on a daily basis for me. And I pray it does for you as well. This morning, are you looking? Are you listening so that you can see and so that you can hear? Will you allow the Lord to be continually changing you, molding you, shaping you into that person that he created you to be? Remember back in Genesis, he created us in his image. That's his desire. That's his heart. That's his want, if you will, is to change us to be more and more like Jesus. Are we hearing His voice is a voice of power. It's a voice of love, compassion. It's a voice of direction. It's a voice of encouragement. Yes, sometimes it's a voice of correction. It's a voice of protection and peace. But ultimately his voice is a voice of salvation. It draws us to him and to his saving grace. At the conclusion, when Jesus was finally done explaining to his disciples about why he spoke in parables, he says this to them. He says, but blessed are you. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Now those were words for the disciples, but those are words for you today as well. Blessed are you, because your eyes see, and your ears hear. It's no less true for us this morning. When we listen with purpose to what God has to say, we're blessed. Those are God's words to you, not my words to you. His voice finds a place in our hearts, and because of that, we're changed. We need the Lord to teach us to listen. We need the Lord to teach us to hear. The times we live in are absolutely noisy. They are noisy beyond belief. I don't know about you, but my ears become weary with the continuous assault of noise. Have you ever been in a room where it's like one of those anechoic chambers, if you know what those are, or a room where there's all kinds of sound deadening? It can almost be overwhelming, the silence, you begin to hear your own heartbeat. But we need that. We need times to be quiet and to be still before the Lord to actually hear what he has to say. May each of us learn to have the same attentive spirit that the young boy Samuel had. he needed a little bit of guidance. But he was listening. He had to be told the next time when the Lord calls. But he was. When the next time the Lord called, he was listening. He was ready. He, He heard what the Lord said. He said, Speak. For your servant is listening. May our heart be the same. As we listen and as we hear his voice, may the noise of this world we live in simply fade away. The pastor referred to this story, I think last week or the week before, as one of my favorite passages in scripture. But it's when Elijah has had this tremendous victory, and then Jezebel puts out the word to have his head chopped off. And so he runs, he's afraid, he's in fear. He thinks he's the only person left. And so he hides. And God comes and God speaks to him. And we see in 1 Kings that after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a gentle whisper. So I think sometimes we think God's this earthquake. He's going to bring an earthquake. He's going to bring a fire, which he can, without a doubt, and he does. He does. But he loves to speak to us in that small, gentle whisper. Why? Because for us to hear him, we have to really pay attention. We have to be quiet, and we have to be still to hear that voice. And oftentimes, that's how he speaks to us. He speaks to us in that quiet voice. If if you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've never given him your heart, never given him your life, I pray this morning that you've heard his voice that you've heard his call upon your life, that you felt his desire to know you and to love you. I'm going to ask the prayer partners and the worship team to come forward now. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I would invite you to come forward and to pray with somebody. Maybe you don't know what that is or what that all means. Maybe you do work with the Lord and walk with the Lord and you just feel like you can't hear him anymore. Ask somebody to pray with you because I guarantee you he's speaking. We'd love to pray with you this morning. Father, we thank you for all that you do. We thank you, Lord, that even in this day of noise that we speak, we live in, you're speaking. Father, we pray that we would have attentive ears. We would have attentive spirits that are quiet before you. Help us, Lord, to push the clutter of our lives aside and to allow you to speak, to breathe into our lives. Lord, those that don't know you this morning, may this be a day when they truly hear you. Father, we know that you love us. We ask you god to train us to speak to us to help us lord set aside the crazy busyness of life and lord just simply grasp how much you love us how much you gave how much you desire a relationship so when you hear his voice may you be filled with peace and love may you sense his direction as he walks with you may it be well with your soul this week as your lord walks with you and as he talks with you